Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Richard, change gears. What were you doing before this whole career um, exploded for you? Uh, well, just slightly before getting into the whole future game, I was writing about trends. And before that, I was writing about innovation. And actually, I, I, one of those crazy stories, I went to, I was living in Australia at the time, I went to dinner and I, I, I sat next to a, a, a Jesuit priest, like you do. And um, he said, you know, what do you do? And I said, oh, I write about innovation. I publish this report, we try and sell. And he said, oh, you're wasting your time doing that, Richard. You, you know, you should be writing about trends. You know, people are far more interested in trends than innovation. Innovation's scary. And I thought, you know, you might have a point. I tried it and it worked. Um, and before that, you know, going back even before that, particularly when I was in the UK, um, where I am now, um, I was involved in new product development, design, NPD, innovation, all that kind of stuff. All right. And, and your degree, first degree or second degree, any particular um, area? Politics with a load of economics and philosophy thrown in. Okay. Was that at Oxford or Cambridge? PPU? No, it wasn't. It was at York. Okay. Well, no, it's just fascinating, you know, how, how you sometimes fall into careers, right, without necessarily planning it or, or was seeing the future for yourself, of course. The whole thing has been a giant accident. And I think that, you know, actually, and actually, I'm not sure this is a bit of a weird link back to COVID, but, you know, I genuinely think, I mean, if you read about management and these hugely successful people, particularly entrepreneurs, and it's all, oh, aren't they clever? We never talk about just luck. You know, they just happened to be, you know, the only reason I got into scenario planning, because I went to a conference in Paris and got really bored and ended up sitting at a bar next to this guy who, who was probably the most, one of the, well, second or third most important person in scenario planning in the world, who set up this extraordinary business called Global Business Network, who were pretty much the pioneers after, after the shell days. Um, so just these, these serendipitous encounters are extraordinary, although, you know, you've got to have your mind open to them. Yes, I think that's important. An open mind and be curious, which you obviously are. Um, how, you know, how do you make a living out of this then? Um, well, at the moment, <laughs> not really at all. Um, basically, um, Global Speaker Circuit is where most of my revenue comes from. Um, you don't make much money on books. I mean, you literally make about a pound a book. But, you know, if you write enough of them and they're translated into enough languages, you, you do get these lovely little checks through the door every now and again, which is a, a bit of a surprise. And the other thing that that's, is good is is you do um, scenario planning work, working with strategy departments of big organisations, which is, you know, consulting rates, really. Yeah. And is that still um, happening despite COVID? Um, I, it's quiet at the moment. And I think I think uh, this is probably true of the future generally. They, it comes in waves. You know, it's fashionable to do it. Then it falls out of fashion. I mean, I, at the moment, I wouldn't encourage people to do scenario planning because <laughs> things are happening too damn fast. Um, but once it's sort of stabilised a bit, then I, I think it'll it'll come back quite quite well. I mean, I you know I don't know how you even do strategy at the moment. Although I th I think it we have got used to what's going on, and there's things like Trump has gone or has he, 
um, which should stabilize things a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't think the volatility is entirely going to go away and neither is the acceleration for the time being. Yeah, well, change is going faster and faster, which is one of Gary Hamill or Hamill's uh, um, approaches, of course. Well, um, can, I, can I interrupt there, Adrian? I mean, there's an interesting thought here, which is if you're looking at technology, a lot of it is moving unbelievably fast. And we, we hear about exponentials, which is depends on your definition of exponential. Some of that is more or less true. Um, I would maintain that our brains are not moving in that direction. And there's, a, there's a real clash emerging. I'm trying to remember a quote by... Edward Wilson, um, which I use in one of my books, which was, um, we've got the brains of the Paleolithic, the institutions of the medieval and the technology of the gods. And, you know, he saw that as a problem. And I see that as a problem. Um, you know, AI can accelerate to the point where we don't even understand what these machines are saying. Um, and we're stuck with our caveman, cavewoman brains. Um, you know, I mean, I know they're plastic and all the rest of it. And they, you know, we can change them in, according to experience and stimuli. But Fundamentally, it's the same architecture as it was two or 20 or 40,000 years ago. So there, is that cause for concern then, big concern? Well, we, yeah, we I mean, I think that? one of the scenarios there, the scenario is, A, we merge with our machines, which is sci-fi sort of territory and to some extent Silicon Valley territory, or, or we decide to restrain these technologies, decide to not invent things or at least not to implement certain things, which would, is sort of heresy to some people. But it may just be that we decide not to develop certain things. That would take um, a massive political will. And, and would you con contain everybody? So the well, we've done it before. We've done it with chemical weapons. We've done it with nuclear weapons. So maybe we do it with AGI. Yeah. Sorry, um, you know, um, strong, broad AI. Yeah. Well, looking forward then, I mean, I've had speakers come to the university and, you know, they've asked the question, is it the best time to be alive when they're talking to young people or is it the worst time? So, you know, where are you on the optimism versus pessimism scale looking forward for perhaps youngsters who are currently at university and they've got 30, 40, 50 years of career ahead of them? Um, if you, I mean, if, 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 if you say what's it like this morning, I think it's pretty shit for a lot of people, particularly students. I mean, my, my own son has just quit university because he's fed up of paying £9,000 to stare at a screen for three hours a day. Oh um, and good on him for doing that. You know, so I shouldn't probably shouldn't be saying this, but um, yeah, it's, it's a bit crap, but it'll get better. I mean, I think by the by sort of late summer, I think things could get approaching sort of normal. But if we start taking a longer perspective, I mean, you know, it's not... 1918 you're not sending your kids off to trenches in France um, and I think on virtually every measure that matters if we start looking at longevity infant mortality death from 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 wars number of women in education employment extreme poverty it has never been a better time to be alive I mean if you if you doubt that I just don't think you're paying attention and yes we've got things like inequality and particularly climate change but I genuinely think these are all solvable we are a very adaptable species. We will sort this out. Well, that's good to be positive. And that's a very strongly held view, Richard. I presume in many places, especially working with corporates, you must perhaps constrain your views and as well, you said you know, before, it's, it's, get your clients to come up with their view and what they want the future to be. It's, like. You got me, I've thought of something I've never really thought about before, but um, so thank you for this. But I thought, you know, what? why don't I get employed? And I think at some sort of level, I get employed, particularly with, with, with lectures, people want to be told that everything's going to be okay. And in particular, they want to be told that they and their children and their grandchildren will be okay. And um, I did once try <laughs> to suggest there were some really serious problems. And as you can imagine, that didn't, didn't go down terribly well. And I haven't really done it, done it since. 
But um, you know, I, 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 I genuinely don't know how you get out of bed in the morning if, if you don't agree with that. I mean, I, I have days when I just feel terrible. Let, let's be really clear about that. And I, I really do, you know, occasionally struggle to get out of bed. You know, what is the point of getting out of bed? But the next day or the next week, it's absolutely fine. And, and overall, you know, there is some extraordinary stuff ahead. Um, and, and, you know, we can solve any problem. And I, I, yeah, I, I don't know how you cope if, if you genuinely feel it's all, you know, I, I was at a, in London one before the pandemic, and there was a student demonstration against climate change. Um, and I'm not against that at all. But there was a woman with a, a young woman with a placard. And I don't remember what it said. But it, the, the gist of it was, you know, why bother going to school? What's the point? We'll all be dead by 2050. And you go, holy moly, do you really think that? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that life's not dreadful for some people. There are people in certain parts of the world, and in certain parts of Britain that are having an unbelievably hard time. And I, I worry about the mental consequences of this pandemic. And at the moment, the government seems to be, uh, you're going to get me started now, but, you know, we're trying to abolish death. Nobody must die, and particularly not from COVID, regardless of the consequences in other areas, which is, you know, that's a debate we should be having. Yes, very much so. So um, I guess, you know, ask you the question, how well do you think the, uh, the British government and governments around the world have performed addressing COVID? You know, I don't think anybody could have done an amazing job that, you know, I don't think we've been in control for a very long time um, with regard to the pandemic. They were having to make it up on the fly. Um, uh, I mean, I've been to, to Greece a couple of times this year. They've done a much better job and people trust the government. I think the government's done an appalling job in terms of communication. I, I barely know what tier I'm in anymore. I don't really know what I'm allowed to do or not anymore. They break their own rules. I mean, you know, the Prime Minister lost it for me when Cummings went up north and he wasn't fired. At that point, I thought, you know what, <laughs> you, uh, you lost me now. Um, and the, the, this is the sort of precautionary principle gone to a sort of ludicrous degree. but. On the other hand, I feel for them. I mean, you know, Boris thought he was just going to get Brexit done and be a bit of a Chilean character and look what he's inherited. Um, they're, they're doing as a good a job as can be expected to some extent, um, as are most governments. I mean, it's interesting the differences between these sort of individualistic cultures like ours and the US versus the more collectivist cultures like, you know, in Asia and so on. Um, we're, not, we're not great at being told what to do, or at least there is a large slice of the population that doesn't being doesn't like being told what to do which makes fighting a pandemic rather difficult um i mean if you compare mask wearing in this country with greece i mean nobody everyone wears a mask in greece there's no sort of invisible disability going on um they just they just do it um and the government acted very fast very firmly i mean you had to almost have a sort of you know teacher's letter to go outside of your house at one point in greece whereas you know i think we locked down too late um you know we were letting people in on flights when we shouldn't have been doing but but again overall they did what they could do. So I don't blame them as such. Well, I, I, find, think... I find a very interesting tension that you've hit upon the you know, individualistic versus collectivist, that libertarian versus or authoritarian. Yeah. Right. And Boris Johnson, I guess, in his defense, he would be saying, you know, uh, leave it up to you. Trust the British people, the common sense of the British people, you know, uh, individual choice. But the countries that have done very well have been hard, a harder line. Certainly. Although actually the countries, you know, look at look at South Korea, it's, you know, and some of these countries that, that were cited as doing incredibly well only three, four months ago, it's 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 changing, you know, rather rapidly. I mean, I think we are, I mean, this is back to this chrono chronology idea. I think there's going to be a period late, late spring, early summer, late summer, when when we look like we're reasonably clear. I mean, let's let's be clear about one thing, by the way. This pandemic doesn't go away. It'll still be around. We're not going to eradicate it, 
But I, I think we're going to go through this sort of great blaming about whose fault it was, you know, and was it the data? Was it the modelers? Was it, you know, was it the politicians? You know, I think this, sort of this blame thing will, will emerge from this, unfortunately, at some point. Okay. Right. Change gear again. Um, let me think. You've got some new associations you've told us about um, in London, but now with Cambridge, right? What are you doing for Cambridge University? Um, I'm working part-time at the Judge School, the Entrepreneur Entrepreneurship Centre. I should actually be able to pronounce somewhere I'm working, really, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> the Entrepreneurship Centre. And I, I've just done something looking at sort of the entrepreneurial mind. So actually, this has got almost nothing to do with the future. Um, I've been looking at on the entrepreneurial mind and makeup, and I'm now doing something um, sort of plotting Nobels. And, but then I'm getting into the future space again. So we're going to look at future Nobels. We're going to have some speculation about what might be won in the future. Um, and we're looking at the sort of, uh, you know, the, the scientific frontiers and particularly looking at AI and where that's going to go in terms of applications and so on. And these are um, courses or this is a research program you're getting involved <clears throat> with? Um, this is mainly a, a course that, that we're, we're jointly designing um, and there will be some publishing output, um, particularly um, there's, there's some visually interesting output um i mean I'm, I'm practically artist in residence at the moment I, I spend most of my time with my colored pencils drawing things which um is a little bit unusual for cambridge um but it's you know and the real shame at the moment is you can't really physically meet um it's it's yeah. mainly on zoom and i think one of the things about education in general actually is it's it's just what happens when you get certain people into a room which is almost impossible to replicate on, on Zoom. And also that serendipity thing where you just bump into somebody buying a coffee, which leads off in some strange directions. Very difficult to do on Zoom. Indeed, but uh, don't put down your artists in residence. Some of the visual images that you've come up with over the years are really very powerful and convey an awful lot of information in, you know, in one picture, one image. I mean, you're... I the London Underground one that, you know, looks to the next 50 years. I don't know, yeah, which are the ones I, are the most popular, Richard? I think that one, yeah. I mean, I, my mum was a primary school art teacher, but my dad was a physicist. So I sort of got a weird mix of those genes. And, and I mean, that's what I'm known for. I mean, I, you know, never mind the books, nobody remembers those, but yeah, the tube map. I did the Future of Air um, a little while ago, which is quite an interesting one, which is a real sort of science art collaboration. And we did a table of disruptive technologies, which looks like the periodic table. I mean, I'm running out of ways to represent data slightly, but we'll, 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 we'll see what we can do. <laughs> and these are all on the website, www.nowandnext.com, where you can see more information about Richard and uh, his work and all links to all of his books. And well worth looking at, not just for my students. Anybody that's got any interest in you know, the way the world's going or how you want the world to go, do uh, take a look. Now, what else did I want to ask you? Um, if I may, let's just go back to Brexit then. So you think the European Union is struggling to sustain itself. What do you think, you know, Britain, are we going to be Great Britain again as we, uh, at the same time as we're spending more on the military so we can put more gunboats into the English Channel, which I think was a misstep as well, to the timing or how that came across. But how is Britain going to do in the next, you know, three, five, ten years? Will we look back and say it was painful, but it was worth doing or what? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I quite like you know, taking a contrary view to a lot of people and a lot of people have got a sort of naysayer thing about this doom and gloom. Um, I mean, I think, I think we'll, we'll do just fine. Thank you very much. I mean, there are things that worry me. I mean, there's, there's a real sort of seventies sort of um, can't do culture emerging. I mean, look at, you know, look at schools and, and this is the unions to some extent, um, you know, reasons we can't open. Whereas look at retailers and they find ways to, to be open during the pandemic. So I'm a little bit concerned we might be moving back to that sort of time. But I think, generally speaking, you know, we are an extremely vibrant economy and country. 
um, built on migration, I should say. So I'm hoping that's not too restrained. Um, well, not built on it, but it was a significant factor, um, particularly in, in entre entrepreneurial activity. Um, you know, I think we'll do fine, but I, 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 I really, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. But I, I think, in a sense, I'm sort of glad to be out because um, I think the EU's got some issues. But on, on the other hand, you know, our timing certainly was bad. Um, I don't. I mean, I just don't know. I just don't know how this is going to end from that point of view. But you know, we are quite a large economy. Mm. We, we, and it's not just you know the numbers it's you know people want to come and live and work here you know people talking about you know london as a financial center being dead and they're all going to move to zug in switzerland or frankfurt or something i mean if you've been to frankfurt i mean no offense to the germans listening but you know it's just not got that vibrancy um this is getting into sort of richard florida um territory that that writes about sort of the cultural landscape and and, and sort of vibrant creative cities that was the book um again my inner optimist says we'll we'll be fine thank you there, there will be a cost potentially but i think we'll be fine okay so we're going to work through the short term perhaps to get to the promised land so again looking forward then and all the issues if we got business listeners here running businesses medium-sized large businesses even small businesses or thinking about um what are the areas i think you've mentioned before it's the future we want not not don't let it happen to us obviously you know stuff will happen but it's uh, how do we shape that future so what are the sort of things you would alert us most to? Is it in the area of AI or where do you think we should be focusing our attention as we, you know, create our own future? And I think, you know, one of the things about uh, futurists is everyone expects you to talk about new stuff, um, particularly technology. And I think it's important to talk about old stuff and particularly things that aren't changing. Um, you know, human needs haven't changed very much in the last few thousand years. So I, don't, don't be completely obsessed with new things. And, you know, AI is really, really important and automation and robotics and all the rest of it. But I don't think it's the most important thing. I, I think the most important thing, if you're running any kind of organization from a, from a small charity to a FTSE company, it's people. And you know, the, 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 the thing to worry about is how do you attract and retain key talent going forward, the really good people that and that, by the way, would link to purpose, because if you've got a really good purpose, mm. you will attract people that to my mind is is job number one. And then you can start worrying about quantum computing and four dimensional printing and what have you. Um, and also have a, you know, have a vision. I mean, this is this is where I guess futures bumps into strategy where you know, what makes a great leader? Well, first of all, they're empathetic. And I think we're going to see the return of empathy big time, I hope, going forward. But the other thing is that great leaders have a vision of the future. And sometimes people will laugh at the vision as being completely unattainable. But, you know, they have a vision and they build a story. They sort of backfill. They build a story or a narrative about how they're going to get there with their people. And that is extremely compelling. And again, it's back to this point of, you know, yes, you've got to keep an eye on what, what's changing and trends and all that sort of stuff, but fundamentally work out where you want to go and try and build a path to that destination. So, you know, if you if you worry about the future, it's this sort of big, you know, it's a bit like, um, what is it, Raiders of the Lost Ark with that big balls coming down the tunnel and you kind of got, like, got to get out of the way or you're going to get squashed. I mean, that's one way of looking at the future, which is deeply dystopian and negative and reactive. Another way is, is to work out, you know, what, what sort of person do I want to be? What sort of organization or country do we want to be? And then, then try and build it, try and invent it. Um, and clearly, you're, you're not going to do it perfectly. Things will get in the way. You will have to adapt your strategy or your vision because weird stuff happens. 
Um, but I think that's the most preferable strategy without a shadow of a doubt. And I think one of the reasons that, I mean, one of the, on one of my maps years ago, and I, I had anxiety as a major, as a mega trend. Um, and I, I think the reason for that is, is, is you know, is multiple. Um, but at the moment, one of the, the reasons, apart from the pandemic, obviously, and the economy, one of the reasons that there is so much anxiety around is people don't have a view of where we're going. And it sounds a bit grand to say as a species, but I think it is true in the light of AI in particular, where are we actually going um, as, as Britain, as, as Europe, as, as the world? And the only visions that really are being articulated are coming out of places like Silicon Valley. And those visions suit certain types of people, but by no means all. They're not particularly fair. They're not particularly sustainable. Um, I don't particularly regard politicians as, as having a vision for a, a better land, you know, the promised land or anything. Um, so I, I think that's what we need to focus on. I, this is going on. I mean, I read in the, in the papers not so long ago, or at least I, I sort of scanned it, so I don't quite remember what it said, but, you know, there is a sort of, not a task force, but people, are, the government is asking people for ideas about what kind of country they would like to build. And, and that's a really good thing. Yeah, um, well, what, wise words, thought-provoking words, indeed. Um, what does the future hold for Richard? Where, you know, what, what would you like to be doing in the next five to ten years? Well, I want to finish this this book I'm writing, which the pandemic got in the way of. Um, I've got a couple of other ideas for books. I will do a bit of speaking, but not as much as I used to. And um, the plan is, actually, in, in about five years' time, I, I would like to spend half the year on a Greek island. I'm going to retire to a Greek island and read and think and possibly write. <laughs> Very good. Do you know John Fowles, the author? He did a lot of work, I think, a lot of his books um, were based in, in Greece. I'll try no, and remember the title of the particular book to send to you. Um, oh, let me know. Indeed. Looking back over the last you know, 10, 15 years then, in terms of the things that you did write about and predict, how would you score yourself in terms of you know, what happened? I mean, 10 out of 10, 3 out of 10, I mean, where would you say? And I know it's not about the answer, it's about the thought processes to, sh to shape your future. But, you know, have you got a sense? I mean, I think I follow you. I don't I think really, you're very, I mean, very present. But what's your uh, own assessment? Uh, I mean, I did start, I, I took out future. It's funny thing, once I've written a book, I tend not to read it. Um, I got out future files, which, you know, bear in mind this, so it came out in 07, I wrote it in 06, and I, I started reading it with a with a various coloured highlight principles, you know, green for yes, red for completely wrong, amber for, you know, unsure, uncertain, not yet. And I got about a third of the way in, and I was going to write a book looking back at this, and I just thought this is this is indulgent, and, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to say on a lot of this stuff. You know, first of all, it's not 2050 yet, which is what the book was about. Um, but my, my instinctive feel is ugh, I'm more right than I'm wrong. And as you say, that's not really the, the game I'm playing. I'm, I'm trying to get people to think and I'm using the future as a, as a bit of an excuse. And a lot of what I write about, you know, it's a bit like science fiction. It's not really about the future at all, science fiction. It's, it's articulating contemporary concerns and desires. And I would say I'm doing something slightly similar. I'm articulating what's going on right now in, in a lot of instances. But I mean, I've got some really big stuff, right? Which has always helped book sales. And um, I mean, maybe one of these days on the Greek island, I will get those highlighter pens out again and I'll, I'll do it again. Um, but, but some of it, it's, not, it's, it's, it's a bit like saying with science fiction, well, what did they get right? Well, first of all, you're completely dismissing, you're focusing on what they got right 
without looking at what they got wrong. And these people are quite often writing about 100, 200 years into the future. So you can't do that right now. Mm. Um, and was, were they really trying to do that anyway? I mean, maybe they're just trying to fun, tell a fun story. I don't know. So it's, it's a tricky one. But yeah, maybe I'll get the highlighters out one of these days and I'll let you know. Richard, absolutely fascinating to, to, to listen to you. I think underneath all of this, there is a, um, a, a very strong optimism. It is about don't let the world happen to you make you know shape it the way you want it to be allow for a little bit of perhaps you know it will go a little bit well for a year or two and it will go a little bit less well but any last minute thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners and we have a, a mix of listeners from the corporate world as well as obviously you know general public whatever any last minute thoughts um not really i mean i think you know in terms of the present situation these these days will pass you know um and there have been worse times maybe not in our in our experience but you know historically this is nothing quite honestly um and you know i think we should look at the sort of positive aspects of this pandemic and, and one of the positive aspects that that came out early on but it's faded and i would like it to come back is this questioning of how people live i mean it was you know very early on in the face of death everyone was questioning how they they should live and, and we see this with um, people sort of thinking, you know what, I'm not going to go to the office five days a week, I'm going to do three days a week, and I'm going to watch my kids play sport on a Tuesday afternoon or something. This sort of deep questioning, um, mm. I, would, I would like to continue and urge people to do that as well. And to, and to switch the damn phones off and listen to the birds now and again as well, I think is an extraordinarily good thing. Balance in life, right? Not all material gain. There are all other things. things. All things in moderation. I mean, it's, you know, it's the oldest philosophical question in the book, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, what is a good life? What is a good person? Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we should think, be thinking about. I think philosophy should be mandatory in all UK schools until the age of 18. <laughs> Very good. Richard, um, great pleasure to have you on this show. Thank you ever so much. I am uh, hoping that we can get Richard to give us a guest, special guest lecture for the university, for the Lord Lieutenant's uh, Leaders Forum. So watch this space. Richard, hopefully we can find a date that works for us all in the October, November which uh, if you can come to Northampton, even better. If not, we'll try and set something up online because I would love, you know, my students, my colleagues and many of our business associates, as well as anyone interested to, to listen to you um, give one of your presentations. But thank you so much. Keep safe, keep well and keep up the great work and a very happy new year to you and your family. Thank you so much, Adrian, and the same to you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.